0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hello, hello. This is MLB.com Extras, Chicago White Sox edition. I'm Anthony Kastrobin. I am joined, as always, by Scott Merkin. Uh, he put on his best Eagles tour T-shirt for this podcast. Thank you for that, Merck. And actually, Merck, before we get to the White Sox, I think the primary point of this podcast is just to check in on you. Uh, I know everyone's a little concerned after the Ohio State Michigan game on Saturday if you are still with us. Please alert the people. Let them know that you are still breathing, still optimistic about life and all it entails.
1: Well, because I've been preparing for the winter meetings, I taped the game and haven't had a chance to watch it yet. So don't tell me how. I'm assuming it doesn't turn out well by your tone of voice there. So don't tell me how it turns
0: out. I still got to watch it. Yeah, it, it's, uh, well. And I'm here in Cleveland, so I'm sure there's some Browns fans who perhaps uh, well, I haven't watched them. No, the it, was, it was a
1: domination, uh, uh, but it was a good first half. The best half is about it. A good first year for Jim Harbaugh, but it's some work to do there, right?
0: They made some strides, and the White Sox need to make some strides. Uh, we, we know that, Merck. We don't exactly know what the uh, winter is going to entail for them. And we're here uh, just ahead of the winter meetings. I think they're going to be an interesting team in that regard because here, some people say, you know, they might they might spend some money this winter to add to that offense. Here, some other people speculate that perhaps they might deal an arm from that rotation. Um, maybe they could deal somebody and, and still plow ahead and, and feel good about their contention chances for 2016. But as we sit here today, going into the winter meeting, uh, what do you feel about the the direction they might take? You know, it's hard to say. I was just writing about that now, and it's it's we talked
1: to Kenny Williams. We talked to Kenny and Rick both in the last couple of weeks, and. Kenny was back a while, about three weeks ago at that um, the Ace Signing Day program, and we're joking with him about just go ahead and tell us the five or six guys you're after. And he laughed and just stayed kind of quiet. He said, oh, you want me to want me to say it out loud? I want me to say the names out loud. And, you know, whatever they're doing basically is they're playing. They're, it's pretty close to the vest right now. They, they added a reliever. They added, a, you know, kind of a potential guy in Tommy Canely in the back end of the bullpen. They added Alex Avila, which, if healthy, should be a nice move to balance with Tyler Flowers behind the plate there. that was one spot they were targeting. But what you say, you know, they could go any direction. I don't see them with $90 million already committed to 10 players. I don't see them being in on sort of the, if you want to say, the big-ticket guys. Although, as Kenny and Rick will say, you know, any guy they they add, they feel like is a big-ticket guy because it helps the team. But, you know, uh, they're willing to spend. There's no question about it. They've proven that they're willing to go over budget. Last year they talked about, you know, they were pretty much done at the winter meetings, and then two days later they signed Melky Cabrera to a three-year deal. So if, if it fits the plan, if it fits what they're targeting going forward, then they'll add them in there. But I, I think more trades than free agency, at least from what I've heard right now. But as, you know, Kenny Williams talked about, which got a lot of attention back when he said it, you know, uh, three weeks ago their plan wasn't definitive because I think they were still kind of mulling over all the different options. So we'll see as it gets closer. It could be more definitive. I still don't see – I understand that, you know, the return it could bring. I still don't think Chris Sale or Jose can kind of go anywhere from, from this team.
0: What about uh, Avi Garcia? Uh, his name has been bandied about quite a bit as a potential trade candidate, uh, and we know in their bid to, the, to improve the offense, maybe a corner outfielder might make sense, especially in this market. There's, there's a lot of options there. Any possibility they might go after somebody and, and replace Avi and, and perhaps uh, seek out his trade value? Well, here's the interesting conundrum there. You know,
1: one of the reasons that Avi Garcia's name has come really, after last year's disappointment that was a 2015 season, pretty much, you know, anyone is fair game. There are no real untouchables, barring, you know, Sale, Rodon, and Abreu probably are the three main and and is pretty close behind there. But the reason that, you know, Avi might be traded or, I'm, not, I'm sorry, could be talked about in trades is because, you know, he. He struggled with times offensively last year, and he didn't make adjustments that they would like at the play. And that's one of the things they really need to see him in terms of growth going forward. But then the the caveat to that as well, if that's the case with them, what value is he going to have on the open market? You're basically trading for potential, right? Because he's yeah. a very talented kid. You know, he's you know by all counts has the possibility to be a five tool type of player, and. He just finished because of injuries and because of you know like early call-ups with the Tigers and short stints here and there. He just finished last year; was his first full from start to finish big league season. Right. So I'm of the opinion that it's kind of hard. You know, I I get it in this kind of social media time that you want instant results, and if it's not, then move on. But boy, I'm I'm of the opinion that he still has some growth there, and I and I realize that the. Person they compare it to is Diane Visiedo, who could look great at times, and there could you know when he got hot for the White Sox, he could carry a team as well as pretty much anyone in baseball for a couple week period. But when he was cold, he looked completely lost up there. You know he was expanding the zone, swinging pitches way outside, swinging pitches above his head. It just wasn't a, it wasn't a good thing, and he wasn't a great defensive player in the outfield. So I think that's kind of the, pride, the you know the, the the comparable they're looking at Avi, and people are pushing that you know move him before it becomes the Visiedo level. I think he's probably there for the right for the right return, but so are a lot of players. I don't think it's just Avi Gar- Garcia that's, that's available.
0: Yeah, I think that comparison is so natural that I even screwed it up in a recent column talking about the different trade possibilities. I actually had Viciato's name in place of Garcia had to fix that. Uh, that's uh, enough about my stupidity, though, Mark. But I, I, you make a good point. To I me, mean, he's 24 years old. he'll play 2016 at 25? Are you uh, selling low, potentially? Uh, for a guy who might still put it all together, we shall- you know I think people
1: assume that he's been in the game. Like, in the game, is established a lot longer because this yeah. is a guy who played in the World Series and contributed in the World Series. He wasn't a yeah. pinch runner, went before he had 50 plate appearances in the major leagues. You know, so I think people look at him and say, oh, he had that rough year last year. Yeah, another rough year. Well, no, that was his first full year. And again, I'm not trying to be an apologist, for Avi because I talked to Todd Steverson, the hitting <laughs> coach, a couple times during the year, and... You know, he got frustrated with the fact that he kept preaching, you know, don't expand the zone, stay within the zone, look for your pitch there, and it didn't change. So, you know, I guess the the question there is if they, you know, and you have Trey Thompson's emergence the last six weeks of the season, and you have a guy like Adam LaRoche who had a really tough 2015, but he's under contract and probably not going to be moved for the, you know, I think $13 million he's owed this year. So you have kind of one extra piece among that whole group, which, you know, DH and outfield. So there's a lot of moving parts there. But, again, I think it's somewhat unfair to judge Avi Garcia and say, well, he's not going to be this. He's going to be a smaller version of Diane Vicieto power-wise if you don't, you know,
0: because it's just based on what he did last year. Yeah, Trace Thompson and uh, Tyler Saladino, both interesting guys for, for them as far as uh, the, the confidence level moving forward off of, you know, some encouraging moments within a short sample, and Thompson especially, obviously, uh, like, like you said, those six weeks uh, – uh, really showed a lot on the offensive side, especially. Merck, uh, you mentioned uh, the Avila signing. Let's dig into that a little bit more. I- I'm an Avila fan. Comes over from Detroit, of course. And, uh, you know, the the, the one hang-up in-, in his career is the guy's a, a target. I mean, he gets-, he gets knocked in the dome quite a bit. Uh, it's been tough to see. Uh, it- endured a lot from a concussion standpoint. Um, and-, and, of course, his offense uh, took a tumble here this past season. What are the expectations for him in terms of uh, how that spot is divvied up between him and Tyler Wallace? You know,
1: Anthony, in the uh, one of the more, I don't know if you remember, but one of the more lasting memories I've had, period, on the beat um, for the 14 years I've covered came in, that, I believe it was 2011, when A.J. Brzezinski hit a uh, soft tip off of Vila's catcher's mask. It was a direct hit that it actually caused Sparks to fly. And he stayed in the game, which shows you a little bit of his toughness there. You know, with the Sox catching spot, it's not considered a position of, like, you know, where they want high offense. Now, they were spoiled for years because A.J. Brzezinski was a, you know, 290-300 career hitter, or, you know, 282-300, to 300, and was durable and, you know, played almost every day, basically, back there. Now they're looking more for, you know, the combination of Tyler Flowers now, assuming that's going to be the combination. You know, they have a good lefty-righty split there, guys who do well against Flowers is better against left-handed pitching. Avila does better against right-handed pitching. Avila's a guy who can get on base consistently. Even when he wasn't hitting last year, he got on base pretty consistently. And they're both considered you know, good game callers, good pitch framers, good handling of the staff, and that's the most important thing to the White Sox of that position.
0: Yeah, well, they're going to need to get off on somewhere. If it's not from the catching spot. It's got to come somewhere. And, of course, there are opportunities for guys within the last to bounce back. LaRoche, who you mentioned, of course, is a big one there. Um, but uh, from the pitching perspective, Mark, it sounds like Eric Johnson is—I uh, don't know if he's locked into the rotation—but it certainly seems like uh, if the season were to start today, he would be in there.
1: It, it does. I was going to ask you a quick question on the offense. I mean, do you do you believe, or you have the fact that you know they had a huge amount of turnover last year? I think at one point, ten or eleven new guys in that roster. And I think a little bit that some of these guys are just going to benefit from being there for a year. I mean, you got a guy, Melky Cabrero, who had a rough start last year and ended up having decent numbers. Adam Eaton had a really bad first five weeks and ended up having a fantastic finish. Yeah. So I think there is some offense there. I don't think they need to overhaul like they kind of did last offseason. But like you said, you can't keep saying, well, this is a defensive position, this is a, you know, this is a position. And you're going to most likely lose Alexi at short. So there's there's another guy who, although he struggled last year, was a pretty consistent force for them overall in that lineup. So you got to fill that spot in, too.
0: Yeah, it's tough for me, Mark. You know, I think that can happen, and people talk about chemistry issues and that sort of thing. But for me, at the large sample that is the season, you know, I think talent wins out ultimately. Right. And I think there's just some concerns. I mean, Melky, you know, Melky's career has been fairly erratic, really. Right. Um, And there's been, I think he's risen to the occasion, kind of when the, the the carrot of the next contract has kind of been in front of him a little bit. Um, and I'm not saying that what he was last year is what he is. He's got a league average hitter last year. But um, I don't know uh, what the future holds for him as, as he ages. LaRoche, you know, you, you just hope they didn't get him at the wrong time in, in his career because we know that power especially can, can uh, deteriorate rapidly. And there's a guy in his mid-30s, so I, I don't know there. I do think, though, I mean, I'm pretty bullish about Adam Eaton um, you know, having the potential to be one of the better leadoff men in the game. Uh, and, uh, of course, Abreu is, is an enormous talent, and I, I think that even showed uh, through through the mire of 2015. So uh, I, I think there's definitely I – w- I would count on improving just right. for bringing everybody back. You bring the same lineup back, I, I would count on improvement, just because it was that dreary <laughs> in 2015, but I think they need more. I really do. I think they got to do something bold uh, to augment this lineup, and I'm not saying that involves – Trading Chris Sale or Jose Quintana, but you know they might have to probably open the wallet again like they did a year ago, and uh, and get a bat uh, because you know I-, I think this team deserves it. Frankly, I think this pitching staff deserves it. I think you you have a-, a chance to be competitive in 2016 if you make the right move.
1: And it is something a column right there. As a matter of fact, it, it is kind of yeah. interesting because you know I I don't as far as long as I've covered them before that they you know Abreu is the biggest contract they've handed out. And I believe that's 68 million. So, you know, if a Justin Upton is an example, who I know they had some interest in at the trade deadline last year, more so Suspettis, but Upton also, you know, if his contract demands go over, hypothetically, you know, $100 million, I just don't see the Sox getting in that kind of that kind right of But you're right, and, and the thing is, do they have, if they're going to trade, if they're going to be bold and trade for someone, like let's use an example because we've heard his name mentioned, Todd Frazier, do they, you know, and, and third base is the spot they need to fill, do they have right. the guys in the system to trade to get that kind of right. player back? And then how much does it set them back if they use a bunch of guys who they're fo- you're focusing on their two- or three-year plan to get a guy to fill third base on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, if or, or would they be willing to do a Carson Fulmer or a Frankie Montas are they really dip into that pool um, to, to improve the, the here and now? That's going to be a, a delicate question. It always is. And we proposed some delicate questions to Scott Merkin. He handled them all with aplomb. Much better than the Michigan defense handled the Ohio State Buckeyes on Saturday. I want to thank Scott for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extras, Chicago White Sox edition.